Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. week my name is chris lockhart and i am joined on the line by two of my co-hosts in crime first up we have lillian knelson how's it going lillian we are fantastic excellent and last but not least we have kevin decent on the line how's it going kev it is going very good this week so far chris excellent um all right so for this episode we we are uh we have a topic because it's the pop culture pub we don't have geek fallout this week uh just because we don't really have uh, a lot to talk about but unfortunately there were a lot of deaths in pop culture since we last recorded so we're gonna do a, a in memoriam segment after our main topic and then we'll do brain candy and then right at the end of the episode kevin and i are gonna talk about the new thor movie and give our thoughts on it uh, Lillian hasn't seen it, so she'll be bowing out at that time so she doesn't get spoiled. Yeah. All right, so the topic for the Pop Culture Pub this week, i got to get my notes here, um, is our top five fictional rich people. Um, so this is a topic that uh, came to mind uh, when I was driving back from the city with my daughter and that Abasson came on. Um, uh, Gimme, I think it's called. Um, the Money Money song? Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, that. And I got thinking about rich people and stuff, and I was like, that'd be a good topic. <clears throat> so that's where this came from. Um, all right. So uh, we'll start with Kevin. Uh, number five on your list for top five fictional rich people. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> That, that, I wasn't trying to be dramatic or anything. I literally just had to clear my throat there. Not a problem. Not um, a problem. So, I, I I wanted to come up with ones that weren't, uh, you know, the easy ones for. Yep. Some some just come to mind right away, and I I think some of our listeners will have them right away as well. Yep. And I just thought that. You know, it, it would be a good one to think a little differently here. So, unfortunately, though, for doing that, I actually, um, I have two for number five. All right. Yeah, and, and, yeah. By, by all means, you can have honorable mentions and all that kind of stuff, too. Well, it's, 
it's not like that. See, the reason why I have to have two is because they're twins. Ah, okay. And that is Tomax and Zayma from G.I. Joe. Ooh. And the reason I'm including them for fictional rich people is their company, Extensive Enterprises, is the company that would shadow fund Cobra, which, Uh of course, is an international terrorist organization. And if you make enough money to launder enough money for an international terrorist organization, you must be making even more than Cobra is to fudge numbers and mess with that. Uh, in the cartoon, they, there's always an extensive enterprises building in every major city that somehow can turn into like a, you know, rocket launcher. Yeah. Like most creepers in the real world. But I mean, that, that takes a lot. Like, there's a lot of funding that has to go in for this. And, you know, they're world travelers. They, they got the look. The only thing there is, you know, all you got to do really is beat up one of them and the other feels the pain and you've taken them both out. <laughs> but um, if, if if there's some sort of psychic connection with their business acumen as well, though, then maybe that's what it is. Because if you have double the money invested into things, then that's double their return. And mm-hmm. that might be how they made their fortune. Excellent. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't think about them being uh, rich people, but yeah, it, it would make sense. Um, uh, Lillian, number five on your yes. list. Okay. Um. So just like Kevin, I was like, okay, I don't want us all to have the same people on our list. Yeah. So I started going through what you know. And I, I started. I came up with a strange list, but on number five, because I made a mix of good and bad guys. Okay. And if we're classing rich as a vast amount of wealth, um, or if they're just known for being like lots of money, but I got number five. I've got at the bottom, so my bad ones are at the bottom. So Jabba the Hutt. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yep. He was well known. He was wealthy. He was ruthless. He, in the Star Wars world, he just kind of people did what Jabba said. Like when you think of the pod races, when you think of basically anything. So mm-hmm. he was my number five. Excellent. That's a good choice. Um, all right. So for my number five, uh, for, for, well, for my, my five, I have a pick and then I have an honorable mention for everyone because there's somehow oh. like there, there's a theme uh, to my picks. So, coming in at number five, I have Duke Leto Atreides. So this is uh, um, Oscar Isaac's character from the from the most recent film. Um, he's the head of the Atreides household in, in Dune, and um, he's an honorable man who's who knows he's being set up. Uh, and he's putting himself and his family in danger. Uh, but because he's an honorable man, he has to do it anyway. Even though all his instincts are telling him don't do it, he has to. Um, and then ultimately it ends up costing... Spoilers. But uh, it ends up costing him his life. Um, 
and the Atreides are, are very wealthy. Um, that's one of the reasons why he got set up to fail, uh, because the Emperor was uh, feeling threatened by his power and his, the respect he was getting uh, from the other other houses, so he, he, he had to get rid of them. Uh, so my honorable mention uh, for number five is Ned Stark. Um, and the reason why I'm relating him to Duke Leto is because, again, he's an honorable character uh, who is being, you know, like he know, like Ned at the beginning of Game of Thrones, he knows he, he shouldn't go to King's Landing, but his friend is in need. He suspects there's a plot against the king. Um, he suspects his, uh, the previous hand got killed because of it. Um, so he is literally putting himself and his family in danger, uh, because of honor, because the king asked him to come to King's Landing to be the hand and he couldn't refuse the king and his friend. Uh, so both rich, honorable characters that, uh, were ultimately killed because of it. So that's number five on my list. Uh, Kevin, number four on your list, sir. Okay. Um, one that I... The more I got thinking of... Cause, <clears throat> like, I was trying to avoid Tony Stark, because that's just become mm -hmm. easy lately. So I was trying to avoid that. And then... Uh, you know, I got thinking, and, and you know, we've n known this topic was coming up for a while, so I was asking my kid about it, mm -hmm. and he made a really good point, and he said, well, how much money would this character have? And I'm like, I don't know, because how much, like, is he able to use? And, and I got thinking of it, and I got going down a rabbit hole on the internet, I'm like... Okay, this is much more money than I thought. But um, for being the king of a country that has a very rare metal in it, uh, I'm picking T'Challa, the Black Panther. Nice. Because as king, he it's technically his money in a way, um, and the vibranium is worth you know limitless fortune, really, once they mm -hmm. exploit it to the world. All of the tech and everything that is covered by it. Um, at the end of the first Black Panther movie, they're opening up trade for the world. That's going to be an absolute fortune coming in. Investments all over the place. Like, technically, as a monarchy royal family, I guess that would all be his in a way. And I mean, we got to be talking in the billions at least, if not, you know, chipping into trillions here. Mm hmm. Absolutely. It was actually on my list of honorable mentions. Perfect. Uh, Lillian, uh, number four on your list. Okay. Uh, this one is just shouting out to my childhood. So when I think of rich people, immediately my brain goes to Archie Comics and Veronica's dad. Mm. So Hiram Lodge always had so much money. And, like, Veronica never needed anything. So... Yeah, that's Hiram. He was always just Mr. Money, but he was a wise businessman, and it wasn't until the absolutely terrible TV show that 
his he was a good dad. Like he hated Archie, but in the TV show he was just awful. Hmm. Are we talking Riverdale or just? Yeah, the TV show Riverdale. Hiram Lodge is like a gangster bad guy. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. No, it's it's awful. So he is not a loving, devoted father. He is just awful. Hmm. Interesting. There was a thing on Twitter a couple days ago, and I, I won't remember who put it up, but it was, is this an X Men plot or a Riverdale plot? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea Riverdale had gone that far. It's so bad. Um, and it's something that when it first came out, I loved the show because I grew up on Archie Comics. So it was exciting to see them in real life. But then it just started getting silly. And Archie was sleeping with Miss Gris Grunwald, the teacher who. She was a younger, she had actually stolen her identity, and it was, we all knew her as the old lady teacher. Yeah, um, Mrs. Grundy. It was just, it was ridiculous. Mrs. Grundy, yes. He was sleeping with Mrs. Grundy, and it was like, what? And then it turns out she had stolen the old lady Mrs. Grundy's identity, and it just went downhill from there. Interesting. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. All right. Um, so, going to number four on my list... I went with animated bosses that are a thorn in the protagonist's side. So uh, my pick is C. Montgomery Burns. So Mr. <gasps> Mr. Oh. Burns. He's on, he's on my honorable mentions list. He's actually, no, he's not. I have him as number three. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, he's just... He, you know, he's a thorn in, in not just uh, Homer's side, but, uh, you know, all of Springfield. And, of course, there's that famous, you know, cliffhanger who shot Mr. Burns. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was just, uh, he's a fun character to, to to watch. And he's really old, too. Uh, so it's kind of neat whenever they do flashbacks to see, you know, him uh, throughout history. Um and then uh, uh, my honorable mention is Mr. Slate from the Flintstones. Because, um, yeah, he was just a thorn in, in uh, Fred Flintstone's side from time to time. So, and, and, I mean, it was the Stone Age, but, I mean, he was a rich uh, caveman for sure. Um, all right, Lillian, uh, number three on your list. Okay, so I have to change number three now. Thankfully, I have backups. All right. Uh, so I originally had Mr. Burns as number three, just because I was like, yep, no, he's on there. He's, you know, he's awful. Because, um, yeah. But then I've got, you know what, we're going to swap it out with, you know what, we're going to swap it out for Smog. There we go. Smog. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Our Dragon Boy. You know yeah. what? Horde Gold. He's fantastic. But he is classed as incredibly rich. For so long, he took over the mountain, and he had mm-hmm. obscene amounts of wealth. He was like the bad version of Scrooge McDuck swimming in money. Yep. So, yeah, nope, we're going to change him to number three. Smog takes the place, and he's always better when it's Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. Yep. No, excellent choice. Um, <laughs> and it makes sense for, like, a dragon to, like, swim through, like, gold. But uh, I love that... that um, segment on Family Guy where uh, Peter jumps into a pool of gold coins 
And then, yeah, it doesn't end well. He's like, you know, it, it, it looked good when Scrooge McDuck did it, but in reality, no. It would hurt a lot to jump in. Exactly. I mean, I think there was some cartoon somewhere where Scrooge McDuck, he realistically jumped into it, he'd just die. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, number three on your list. Okay. Um, I didn't really... I didn't really think of it as rich because the character doesn't act rich. But again, in, in research, like, oh yeah, he would have a ton of money. Um, but my next pick is going to be Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Because it's a throwaway line over... Oh, sorry, did I take your one? Yep. Readjusting. It, it, it's a throwaway line of putting, you know, selling the shirt business and putting his money in some kind of fruit company. Yeah. And, you know, of course, it ends up being Apple. But that investment early on and then the yield later on is in the millions, if not billions, you know, depending how much he put in there. Yeah. And he's just set for life. And, you know, someone that probably just pays someone to keep investing the money and, you know, I'm sure he doesn't spend a lot of it. I loved that movie when I was in high school and it came out. I don't think I've seen it since, though, and I really feel like I'm going to have issues with it whenever I do watch it again. I think some things aren't going to resonate the same way with me. Oh, I, I still love it. Sure. I, I mean, I haven't watched it in a few years now, but it, it's still my favorite movie. I, I love that movie. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. It was like when, you know, when it was fresh, I jeez, probably saw it like, five, six times that year alone. You know, like three in the theater, then it came out in DVD. Yep. I don't think anyone stopped saying Run, Forest Run for, like, ever. No, there was... I saw a book at work today, um, I don't know, Run Like Forest or something like that, but it was all about this guy uh, being inspired by the movie and doing his own cross-country run. Yeah. Just like Forrest Gump for the heck of it, so he got a book deal out of it. Um... Yeah, I mean, even even taking away Apple, all the other stuff that Forrest kind of does in there, like this day and age, he'd make a fortune on, you know, talk show circuits and selling book rights and stuff like that. Even if he didn't have all the Apple money. Yeah. Um, they they did write a sequel to it. Um, I Jumping never, company, right? Yeah, I never read it, but I, I remember my mom read it, and she didn't really like it. Um but I, I, from what I remember her telling me is I think Forrest loses his fortune because he gets swindled somehow, but then he makes it back by doing something else. I, I can't remember. Like he, he invested in like, I, I want to say like a manure company or something like that. And he ends up becoming rich again. Um, but I'm, I could be wrong, but I just, remember my mom saying something like that when she read it but excellent good choice kev um so number three on my list um is comic book villain themed um so first up i'm going with ozymandias from watchmen um because nice. yeah he's he's rich and he's you know 
an amazing character. He really is. Like, you know, and I mean, I didn't mind the way he was portrayed in the movie, even though, like, he had superpowers. But in the book, like, in the original graphic novel, the only real superhuman was Dr. Manhattan. Like, everyone else was just vigilantes. But he was that smart and that fast and he i mean he trained his body and all that that he could literally catch a bullet out of the air um you know he, he's just a, a cool character um well written uh i especially you know like i like the the 2019 watchman hbo series which is supposed to be a sequel to the comic book series and i loved um uh jeremy um uh, irons as uh, Ozzy Ma- as an older Ozymandias. And, I mean, he, you know, Ozymandias, like, he's just so rich. Like, he could literally, you know, build a, a temple in the Antarctic. Uh, and, and and then, yeah, he just chills out there after after Watchmen. Um, so, yeah, Ozymandias is my, uh, my pick. And my honorable mention is Lex Luthor, because... Um, you know, he's just uh, a great. Uh, Lex is fantastic. Yeah, he's just a great uh, antagonist. Not to not not just to Superman, but I love it when they pit him against Batman. Um, like when when Lex and Bruce w- Wayne have to you know butt heads and and uh, you know, and I like it when he you know he gets you know he puts together an injustice gang. Um, you know, he's the only one that seems to be able to control the Joker. Like, when he needs the Joker uh, to be part of his gang, he you know, he can bring him in and and uh, keep him on a leash. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think Lex is, is great. And I just wanted to say my favorite actor to play Lex is uh, from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Uh, John, John Shea as uh, Lex Luthor. I really liked him. Um, I liked his portrayal of Lex. Um, and then, you know, like after that, it, it, you know, I loved when they brought him back in the second season and then they brought him back, I want to say season three, but he was just, you know, your standard cookie cutter, you know, comic book bad guy at that point. But I, that first season, I liked the fact that he was, you know, main character and, and, you know, he was dating Lois, and, and uh, you know, I, I thought he was well portrayed by by that actor. Um, and then I also liked uh, Michael Rosenbaum uh, from Smallville, you know, playing the younger Lex. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, li- I like that concept. You know, I like that Smallville is doing that. You know, they're doing something different, you know, like having Clark and, and Lex be friends as kid, uh, you know, as teenagers. I thought that was kind of a cool cool thing you know i like it when they do things different uh with superman not all the time but you know i like it when they you know mix it up a little bit but uh all right lillian number two on your list who caught me mid crunching um so (laughs) again going back to my childhood so i had to put him on here just because technically though it's not his money so richie rich it's his dad's money Mm -hmm. but Growing up, when I was reading comics, it was always the Richie ones where it was outlandish and ridiculous. His dad would buy a roller coaster or God knows what would go off. But um, I loved it. And it was so much fun. But he always had so much money. And he just literally running around with, like, bags of money or pockets full of cash. 
And I loved it when it would cross with Casper or um, I can't remember the name of the little witch. And it was adorable. But Wendy. Wendy. You know, yeah. I loved Wendy so much. Um, but it was just it was Richie Rich was on there. And then when they came out with the movie with Macaulay Culkin, I just remember I watched that movie so much because it was just so much fun. And it was like they had their own nerdy version of Q from Bond um, making all those weird contraptions. And I just loved it. But. Richie Rich is my number two, just because it was my childhood dreams. If I had money, I would own almost everything Richie Rich had. I just, uh, the one thing I remember about that movie was the fact that he had his own private McDonald's in his house. Yep. And I was like, that is a, that is a, a a teenage or, you know, young, maybe I wasn't even a teenager then. I don't know. I was like 11 or 12, I think, when that movie came out. Maybe a little bit older. But I just remember that, you know, like, that's that's the dream, having a McDonald's at your house. Um, but that's all I remember from that movie. Uh, oh, and what's his name? Was the bad guy, right? Uh, John um, from Night Court. Uh, John Larroquette. Wasn't he the bad John guy? Larroquette. Yeah. I think you're right, but I'd forgotten about that. Oh, but it was John, yeah, I can't pronounce his last name. It was John Larroquette or whatever. L- Larroquette, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love John Larroquette. He's just... awesome. So good. So good. And the bad guys were so ridiculous. It was just such, I love the movie. And I was stupidly excited when Disney Plus showed up with Richie Rich on it. And I just squealed and watched it, I think, <laughs> once a week for like, one. yeah, once once a week for about a month. Yeah, that's how I was with Disney Plus with Avengers Endgame. Even though I I owned mm-hmm. it, I was like, I'm watching this on Disney Plus. That's the first thing I watched. Um, all right, Kevin, uh, number two on your list, sir. Okay. Again, someone we, we know is rich, but we don't really think of as rich for some reason. Like, you know, Richie Rich, I mean, it's in the name, but it you know, yeah. comes up right away. And this one... You know, wealthy, yeah, but you don't think of it. You know, like, this wasn't a, a first-round one for me here. Um, But the more I got thinking about it, I have to... Well, shoot. I, I see a problem here. Because I'm including... All right, screw it. I'm going to go ahead. I'm including Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay. I see by mentioning that name, it possibly messing up someone else's pick. What, Ebenezer Scrooge? Well, part of the name. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely, you know, um, collecting the taxes, collecting the bills, you know, um, not giving any away, being so miserly and, and stingy for everything. And then, you know, obviously, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, any version of it, but then using his wealth for good and, and benefiting people and all, and really changing lives with it. And just, you know, you get the the worst and the best for money, really, in one character and in one story. And, and honestly, it's such a, you know, good, timeless story, too. Like, I know we've talked before about the, you know, Patrick Stewart version of Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about, like, you know, Christmas specials and everything for it. I have certain ones and versions I have to watch every year. The Muppet one is mandatory. 
that Muppet one is so good. Oh my god, uh, so good. I, no, I, I, no I, all right. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but the Muppet one reminds me of a question. So, Chris, it's up to you. Uh, it's, go ahead. Sure. All right. All right. Lillian, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm here. In, in light of taking Muppet Christmas Carol as the idea here, because Michael Caine is fantastic, I think. Yes. Movie with you know, he is just not selling it as a Muppet movie for a second. He's selling every bit of that as a legit movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So with that oh, yeah. in mind, if you could redo any movie and make an all Muppet cast, but keep one of the actors from the movie, which movie and which actor? Oh dear. <laughs> And That's an evil have... question. Oh, it's it's a very evil question. It's a great party question, too. Because if you think about it, any movie where if you want it, because the joy of, like, a Muppet Christmas Carol is, like, you've got Michael Caine, who is giving it a theatrical, like, everything. But you've got talking vegetables. Mm-hmm. And Gonzo narrating everything. So I'm like, if I could, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, who, what human do you keep? Obviously, Matthew Broderick. Or, no, no, wait, no, we might keep his friend. That might be fun because then he would just be miserable talking, you know, the entire time knowing that he's with Muppets. If you keep Cameron and have Kermit as Ferris. (gasps) Yes. (laughs) Okay. No, that would work because Cameron was one of my, actually I had a crush on Cameron. I'm sorry, Matthew Broderick, you're beautiful, but no, he was my boy. Cameron was my favorite. And so keep Cameron and he could just be ridiculous with these Muppets. It'd be fantastic. There we go. Done. (laughs) Who's the principal in this? Sam the Eagle. Yep. Sorry, now I'm workshopping it. Um, my pick for this is The Princess Bride. And you can't That was my second one I was going to say. <clears throat> no. <laughs> Sweetums is, of course, under. Chris, I didn't mean to derail the regular topic. No, that, that's fantastic. That's okay. Um, so uh, could I? I, I actually kind of want to answer this question because while you were you guys were talking, I was thinking about it. Um, <gasps> does yeah, does, yeah, it, no, I to do. does it have to be a Muppet from the Muppets, or can it be a Muppet adjacent? Well, the idea is. A regular movie is completely recast with, let's say, completely recast with Jim Henson creations. Okay. Okay. Um, but you, you just keep one human actor in, you know, from the original version. Okay. Well, my choice, and this is going to be a little controversial, I would do redo Superman Returns with Super Grover as Superman. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. And the controversial choice <laughs> is I would keep Kevin Spacey in it as Lex Luthor. Um, like I, I know, love this so much. Like I like I know he's a scumbag and everything, and and what what you know like, and what he did and and all that. 
But I like Kevin Spacey as an actor, and I just think he would ham it up so well against those Muppets. Like, I, like as much as I don't like him, I thought he was a pretty good Lex Luthor in that movie. Oh, he's fantastic. So, you know, I, I would love to see him, like, hamming it up as Lex opposite Super Grover. Um, but, yeah, and I don't know who else you would... Uh, I don't know who would play Lois, though. Miss, I don't want to say Miss Piggy, because that takes away from Kermit. The chicken. Yeah, chicken. Grover's girlfriend is a chicken. Or maybe... Oh, uh, yeah. Is, no, that's... What's his name, isn't it? Uh, not Grover. Uh, uh, the guy with the oh, beak. Oh, Gon- Gonzo. Gonzo, yeah. yeah. You're right. I'm thinking of Gonzo, wrong one. Yeah. No, I'm thinking um, like if we can pull from any Muppets, I would I would say we could get Red from Fraggle Rock to play Lois. Oh my god. Because technically and then like because technically she's not with Superman in that movie. She's with James Marsden. So you could have, uh, oh. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the the lead Fraggle from Fraggle Rock. He could play the Marsden character. And then you could have, like, Elmo be, um, be their kid. Jeez. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, there's so yeah. I... Did that just blow your mind? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, this is like my favorite like group question, you know, just to get people going. And these answers have, both fears have never come up before, and I'm stealing them. Excellent. Like, these are great. Because sorry, I'm awesome. sorry to completely throw off the... No, no, yeah, that's... so rich fictional people, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly fine. Um, all right, so we're at number two on, on our list, and, um... So the theme for this one, for me, is um, Game of Thrones. Uh, so number two comes in as uh, Mr. Tywin Lannister. Because, you, know, I, I, you know, even though he's a bad guy, I love Charles Dance. I knew you were going to have him on your list, so I took him off mine. Excellent. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. it. I, 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 I just, I love that actor. I love the way he was portrayed. And he is, uh, you know, a rich guy. Um and and the, he's a great villain like he's ruthless he's cunning he's smart and the honorable mention is also a rich person from that world and that's uh the queen of thorns elena Terrell. um cuz she you know what what we find out uh as the series goes forward is that uh the lannisters are actually like what wealth they have is what they have now they don't actually have any more money coming in because their their gold mines have run dry. Um, so actually, in Game of Thrones, technically the Tyrells are now the most wealthy family. Um, so that's why they made allies of them um, in season the end of season two. And I and I love uh, um, uh, oh, I was going to say Judy Dench, but not Judy Dench. Um, drawn a blank on the actress's name um she just recently passed away like as of i think 2020 um but she was amazing as elena and like i said charles dance was amazing as tywin so 
They are my number two. All right, Lillian, number one on your list. Yep. Uh, okay, so number one is only because I'm a musical theater nerd, and I love this man, but Daddy Warbucks. Nice. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, not, you know, taking a little Orphan Annie in, way to go, but, you know, in all of the musical adaptations of Annie, I love every single Daddy Warbucks, whether it's the one from the 1950s, or there was another one, I think, in the can't remember when it came out or even the most recent one with Jamie Foxx like love them I love how they do things but they have everything like their houses are huge their staff are well paid they're awesome businessmen and in the end they end up finding uh, like, you know, helping all the orphans and doing all the things but Daddy Warbucks is my number one probably because I always wanted a Daddy Warbucks because I have daddy issues <laughs> <laughs> um that is an excellent choice. I, I mean, that's I always thought uh, Albert Finney in from the 1982 film, he should have always played a Lex Luthor. He looked like Lex Luthor as Daddy Warbucks. Oh, he was he was amazing and bald and fantastic. Yeah, yeah, great actor too. Um, but uh, excellent choice, excellent choice. Thank you. Um, Kevin, number one on your list. Okay. So, uh, not the richest, because he's not worth a billion or a trillion. He's only worth a million, because he's the billion-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Now, while there is a person who walks through named DiBiase, this is technically the fictional character played by that person in classic 1980s WWF. I'm counting it as a fictional character. Um, But, I mean, so the the idea happened, Vince McMahon had the idea for, you know, this millionaire wrestler that would buy people off and and get whatever he wants. And at that point in wrestling, you kind of had to live your gimmick as well. If you're a good guy, you couldn't hang out with a bad guy you know, like out at, you know, to a restaurant or drive together or anything like that. So Million Dollar Man had to live up to the gimmick. So they just gave him all this money to like over tip and take limos places and wear the finest suits and everything, just living it up. And uh, I remember watching all the sketches when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but they would do stuff in the arena where, you know, they'd invite like a random kid up to like dribble a ball 10 times and win a hundred dollars and they kick the ball away at number number nine, <laughs> you know, like making like just a horrible, horrible things looking back. But it was so much fun. And God, you absolutely hated him, but he was so good at his job too for it. And then uh, of course the, the ultimate I think for it was when he brings out his own million dollar title with all the gold and the diamonds, which weren't diamonds, but we'll ignore that. Yeah. And just beautiful looking belt that he would walk around with. Like just one of the, greatest gimmicks ever excellent super nice guy too in real life he's one of the classic wrestlers i had the fortune of meeting um all right so number one on my list uh i'm going with the starks on this one uh first up you know i have to call i have to you know rdj robert downey jr he literally was born to play Tony Stark, you know, um, 
And and people come, you know, like I know I've heard people complain. Oh, they changed the character in the comic books to be like Robert Downey Jr. It's like no, like he was, like I, I like I first really got into uh, reading Iron Man uh, in the late nineties when Kurt Busiek took over, and he and if you go back and look at that series, like you would think that was he was writing Robert Downey Jr. having him in mind, because um, yeah, it, he. He, he's he's made for that character and he, and he was absolutely fantastic um and then my honorable mention is howard stark um you know and in the mcu he was uh, played by uh uh john slattery he's he was the older version of howard stark and dominic cooper played the younger howard stark um so we got to see the younger Howard Stark in Captain America, the first Avenger, and we got to see him in the Agent Carter TV series. And then John Slattery, of course, was, uh, you know, in Iron Man 2. Uh, he was in the Winter Soldier. He was in the scene in Ant-Man, and he was also in Avengers Endgame. And I love John Slattery. He, you know, Mad Men is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Um... I loved him on that, you know, you know, the, the back and forth between him and like, I, I just loved it in Endgame and we've seen, uh, you know, uh, Tony meet his dad in the past and, you know, and he's getting tongue tied talking to his dad and, and it was, it was great. One of my favorite scenes from that movie. And, uh, yeah, all three are, are very amazing actors. So that is my number one. All right. Um, so thank you guys for for that topic. Um, so let's. Wait, did did the Lillian do a one? Oh, did, did did I go ahead of you, Lillian? No, I already did my number one. Okay, okay. I, th I thought you did. Oh, okay, I was like, right. did I miss That's something? Okay. okay, perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, I, nope, I just lost count. Oh, it, it's all good. Um, so let's move on to our. In memoriam segment. All right. So, first up uh, on my list, uh, James Kahn uh, passed away on July sixth. Uh, he was eighty-two years old. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people remember him. Well, especially at Christmas time, he's uh, in Elf. Um, I remember him best in uh, my favorite Stephen King movie, Misery. Um, he was fantastic in that, and he was also in the in the first Godfather movie, um, which I still have to watch. So actually, you know, you know, with his passing, you know, like they were bringing up the Godfather a lot, and it really got me thinking. I really got to sit down and watch those movies, you know. Um, I'm you know I'm a big soprano fan of the Sopranos and all that, so I got to get to that. But I was really sad to see that uh, James Caan had had passed away um so kevin and lillian wh what are your thoughts on james con whoever wants to go first or if, if, i was like ah, i don't know i love him i mean james con was ah, i don't know he was a wonderful actor i enjoyed so many things with him um and I just, when I heard, I was I didn't actually know he was that old. I, I, for some reason, had aged him the wrong way. And so when it had said James Conn had died, I was like, what? No, he's not old enough to be dead. That's not a thing. 
Apparently it was a thing. Um, but what I, I didn't, like, you and I still have, like, we, we said it during one of our podcasts, we were going to watch, was our goal was to watch The Godfather this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't watched it either, but I know him from Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my first introduction to him. And then I've seen him in various shows here and there. He was the dad in Elf. Um, and, but I really, Las Vegas was my go-to favorite show for the longest time, and that's I just loved his character. So maybe that's why I forever thought he was that young, just because in my brain he's that old. He never aged. And then I think of how long ago Las Vegas aired. So. <laughs> yeah. But definitely going to be missed. Yeah, absolutely. And Kev, your, your thoughts on James Conn? See, I feel bad because it's just, you know, not one that uh, – Nothing against him or or movie roles or anything, just not one that resonated with me. And I, I feel embarrassed as we're talking because, you know, I, I saw the news of it and most articles point to Elf. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like Elf a lot. He was, you know, good in that role. Like, that's yep. a good movie. And I, I, I never thought beyond that. So as we're talking, uh, as you two have been talking, I'm like, oh, my God, that was him in Misery. I never connected until just now. Yeah. And I feel so dumb because clearly it's him. It's not like he's under makeup, you know, or anything. I was like, oh, geez, that was him. That was, that was really good. Yeah. And, and I, but, didn't, I, mean, I didn't realize, but uh, Misery was actually his return to acting. He actually, like, kind of semi-retired there for, like, 10 years. You know, basically for most of the 80s. Uh, he wasn't doing anything. So... But, uh, you know, glad he came back. And I, I, I always wonder, um, when you see actors with, like, a big gap like that, uh, even actors today, and I think, all right, what are you doing in between? Like, if you're still living in L.A., what are you doing? Because it's not cheap. So, you know, like, how did you earn money during this gap? That's not well, I think the, either they were smart with their money, and then they, you know, if they took time off for a family and stuff, but... Well, yeah, I mean, maybe like residuals for some stuff and all. Like it's just, and, oh yeah. And there's so much work that is not in front of the camera too. That you know, a yeah. lot of them could be doing other things, and you, you know, it's not going to show up as as noticeable. Yeah. Well, and like Lillian said, when when you're smart with your money, it it can last a long time. And yeah, like the residuals from The Godfather alone, you know, like one of the most popular films of all time. Like I'm sure he still makes quite a bit of money off that um it actually made me think um you know when we're talking about being smart with money and stuff made me think of uh the bassist from queen like uh john deacon like he retired in 1997 and literally (laughs) hasn't done anything since and yet he's still making like millions every year uh from like his body of work like you know, he's just and he and he's still living in the same house he bought with his first check and from nineteen seventy six. He's still you know, still with his you know, his wife, um who was the inspiration for my best friend, the the son that was done by Queen. Um and yeah, he's just he's he's smart with his money. Like he's just No, I'm retired and I'm just gonna enjoy life. And maybe that's what James Conn did too. I, I, I don't know. But uh yeah, he he uh, he will definitely be missed. Um, next up on my list is Japanese artist and Yu-Gi- Yu-Gi-Oh manga creator Kazuki Takahashi. 
Um, he passed away at the age of 60. Um, so if, if you've seen Yu-Gi-Oh! at all, you know, whether it's the, the cartoon or the, you know, trading cards or anything, you've probably seen his work. Um, and yeah, he, he unfortunately passed away at the age of six, 60. Um, An amazing artist. Yeah. He, amazing. He really is, yep. Um, next up on my list is, uh, like I mentioned, The Sopranos earlier, is an actor from The Sopranos, uh, Tony Sirico, uh, who played Polly Walnuts um, on, on The Sopranos, passed away at the age of 79. Uh, yeah, that's... Like, I, like, I don't know. I, I seen him in a documentary not too long ago, and I remember thinking then he didn't look good. Um, so I don't know if he was sick with, with something, or, um, I know he was living in an assisted living home when he passed away. Um, but they did a, I want to say it was like Sopranos Con or something. They did a, like a, I, I was watching this thing on YouTube about it, and they were interviewing him. Back in, I want to say it was like 2018 or 2017, and and he he really didn't look good then, so I I don't know what happened, but um, you know it it like I said, one of my favorite shows. It's sad to see you know see him go, um, you know especially like like James Gandolfini's gone and now Paulie's gone and you know it makes me kind of sad, um. Kevin, what what are your thoughts on Tony Sirico? <laughs> uh, so I apologize, and we can skip over, but I don't think I've ever watched an episode of The Sopranos. Really? Being being from New York really? State, me neither. Really? really? Yeah. Well, well, like yeah. no, like no offense, Lillian. Like I could see, you know, The Sopranos not yeah, being your, your no thing. Offense. Lillian's fine. <laughs> But like I could see that not being your thing, but I just figured Kevin being from the New York area would that would be like required viewing. No, no, and I, I really? lived in Jersey for a little while too, and just oh wow, never did it. Wow, never had the interest. However, um, I did read uh, quite a bit of the Yu-Gi-Oh manga years ago. Okay, and it was actually really, really good. Like the cartoon just seemed like uh you know a different version of pokemon in a <laughs> way you know here's these things that can come out but the manga was more like a puzzle solving mystery thing and uh you go the main character with the spiky hair there outsmarting villains with puzzles and like tricking them into things that they couldn't get out of and like really higher level than I expected for it. And then it, mm -hmm. you know, got into the card game and the monsters and stuff like that. But when it started out, I'm like, this is a really interesting, cool concept. I'm all in until it, you know, became closer to the cartoon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm a 44-year-old straight white male, so I've watched more Yu-Gi-Oh! than Soprano. <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Um... Uh, yeah, the Sopranos. Yeah, it, it, it. I, I. Even now, I would, I would recommend if you can watch it, check it out. It, it's, it's good. Um, and la okay, so I got one more here for in memoriam on on my list, and he was an actor named Gregory Itz Itzen. 
um, people like you might not recognize the name, but you would rec I'm sure you would recognize the face because he's one of those actors that seems to be in like every franchise as a guest star some at some point. Um, he was featured five times in Star Trek. Uh, he was um, my the the role I remember him most. Like, there's two roles from Deep Space Nine. He played two different characters. The uh, first season, he was in an episode called Dax, where he where he tries to have Jadzia kidnapped. Um, and then Jadzia goes on trial in that episode. And then he was in a sixth season episode, uh, Who Mourns for Morn? Uh, that's the episode where Morn, the, the barfly, apparently dies and leaves his whatever he has to quark. And then all of a sudden, these these guys that used to work for with Morn um, are are now uh, looking Quark up and and wanting money from him. And he played one of the one of the guys that uh, shows up. Uh, he was also in the TV series Twenty Four. Uh, that's probably his his the role he's best known for. He played um, I think his character was President Logan. Um, I want to say the third season of 24. Um, so anyway, he unfortunately passed away at the age of 74 uh, from complications from emergency surgery. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's he's one of those working actors that's been in so many things. Um, you know, if you Google him and you see him, I'm sure you'd be like, oh, I, I remember that guy. Um, I know, uh, Robert Beltran, um, tweeted about his passing because, uh, apparently they were friends. Yeah. He was Charles Logan in, uh, 24. Um, just calling him up here to see some of his other roles. Uh, he was an airplane. Uh, he was an airplane two. Uh, he was in the Bessel Whorehouse in Texas. He was in Teen Wolf, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, looking at some of his bigger stuff, he was in Lincoln. Um, and as far as like television, he was in Work and Mindy, Charlie's Angels. Um, let's see, Falcon Crest, Santa Barbara, Scarecrow, and Mrs. King. Tales from the Dark Side, Hill Street Blues, The A-Team, MacGyver, St. Elsewhere, Max Headroom, Matlock, L.A. Law, 21 Jump Street, Night Court, uh, he was an Empty Nest, and these are all, of course, guest, guest roles. Murphy Brown, Head of the Class, Coach, um, Homefront, Beverly Hills 90210, Major Dad, Quantum Leap, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Picket Fences, Murder, She Wrote, ER, Chicago Hope, Diagnosis Murder, JAG, The Practice. Um, Those are like three quarters of the shows from my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I said, this guy's in everything. Party, party of Five. And, I mean, I'm not even listing off all the ones. that I'm just listing off the ones that I'm familiar with. Uh, he was in Bull, uh, Star Trek Voyager, uh, Judging Amy, CSI. NYPD Blue, he was in Friends, Star Trek Enterprise, 
uh, Boston Legal, 24, Hannah Montana, um, Once Upon a Time, Hawaii Five O, Code Black, and uh, The Resident. That's his last television role. So yeah, like I said, this actor, he, he's one of those guys that's in everything. Uh, so yeah, very sad to, to find out that he passed away. See, that's a guy that I don't question his money. Like, that's the guy that seems like every year he's got two or three jobs going on for different shows and always has something coming in. Yeah. Well, he's kind of like uh, he like, like Samuel L. Jackson. Like, that guy does not ever take a break. Like, he's always doing something. Um, and that and that's really how Samuel L. Jackson got his start, is he was just a guest star in TV shows and movies, like, until he got his big break and then he became the star. Um, for, uh, for this actor, Gregory Itzen, his big break was being President uh, Logan on 24. Because I, I remember, I can't remember if he was up for an Emmy or something, or maybe he was nominated. I, I, I can't remember, but there, I remember there was a lot of buzz around that time when he was on there. Because he played kind of like a Richard Nixon type of president, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, a little, little on the corrupt side, but... Anyway, um, let us move on to our next segment, which is Brain Candy. So this is the segment where we talk about stuff we're watching, reading, listening, whatever. Whatever we're putting into our brain. And then uh, we'll, we'll give it a, a pick or a pan. Um, so, uh, Lillian, what do you got this week for Brain Candy? Okay, so this one is pretty... It's hilarious. So I... We're curious about um, Disney Plus dropped a movie called The Princess. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to see this. And then when it dropped, the comment section was awful. It got panned so hard. And I was so upset. And you know what? I, my hubby put it on and he's like, you know what? We are not watching this for the plot. Let's just see. Yeah. And we loved it. If you want a movie, like when you watch a kung fu movie, you don't watch it for the plot. You watch it for the fight scenes. And so we're watching this going, oh boy, this is fun. They must have had so much fun choreographing this thing. And it was a blast. And so, you know what? People can be mad about the plot. They can be mad about whatever they want. But at the end of the day, kudos to the people who did the choreography for this show. It was fun. Um, I'm trying to remember that actress's name. Um, who's in it? Oh, it's the one from the kissing booth. Yeah, I've seen I've I've seen her on Facebook or something. And yeah, I I saw the the trailer for it, and I thought, well, that that looks kind of fun. Um, who's Joey King? Joey King, yes, that's her name. Yes. Um, excellent. It was fun. I think you'd enjoy it. It's just, it's really fun. Excellent. I, I mean, I... is it cliche? Yes. Are there moments when you're like, ah, oh, this has been done before? But there are moments where it's like, one of my favorite parts is when her and this guy are actively trying to kill each other, and they end up making this crazy jump, and they both just kind of look at each other and then burst out laughing as they're like, I can't believe we're alive. Oh my god, that hurt. Yeah. Okay, time to fight again. Like, it was fun. Um, Excellent. 
and then otherwise we've just been watching uh orville yep. and oh my goodness just rip your heart out and put it on a plate the last few episodes like that you know they have they have seth mcfarnell and them have hit on some pretty testy subjects mm-hmm. and i think they did it beautifully and it was just fantastic such so well done so well done but that's been about it excellent yeah i, I agree I've, I've been loving the orville um this season um yeah it's so good um all right so one i wanted to bring up um speaking of disney plus is a mini series that dropped in may and it's called pistol um i in the states i think it's on hulu but it's made by fx so i don't quite understand that but Anyway, up up here in Canada, you can watch it on Disney Plus. Um, it's called Pistol. It's it's basically uh, a docudrama about the Sex Pistols um, and the whole punk rock scene uh, from the uh, late se- or mid mid to late seventies. Um, it was really good. I really re- I don't know a whole lot about the Sex Pistols other than some of their music. Um, so I I enjoyed it. You know, like, whether it was completely historically accurate, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, uh, it was directed by, all the episodes were directed by Danny Boyle, uh, who directed Trainspotting, uh, 28 Days Later, uh, Sunshine. He, he's uh, an excellent director. And a few months back, we were talking about Maisie Williams, about uh how it was awkward like that sex scene with her in game of thrones and then i talked about how she did that movie with that horror movie with florence Pugh, and they're making out in schoolgirl uniforms and i was like huh that, that was interesting um in this show you get to see her topless which i i was really shocked that this is available on disney plus um and uh it was it was it was actually quite funny um her, you know her her topless uh opening and then uh yeah there and there also there's a, a sex scene in this uh show where like, this is not a show you watch around kids i gotta stress that um there's a sex scene where it's like it really i, I was really shocked that they put that on disney plus i, I you know I, that's all i'm gonna say it was wow uh, but but an excellent show, it really is good. Uh, the Boys season three uh, just finished last week. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the season. Uh, you know, it's your typical boys. Uh, the boys, um, a lot of violence, a lot of uh, gruesome shenanigans, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, currently watching season three for all man for all mankind on apple plus and i gotta say i think i'm the only person watching this show because everyone i talk to nobody's ever watched it and it's so good it is such a good show um you know season three takes place in the 90s like this is a show that um it's uh the genre alternate history so this is a show about uh the space race if uh it hadn't stopped you know uh the question you know it starts with what if the russians um got to the moon first like how would that have changed history 
and uh, yeah, season three is just uh, they're again hitting it out of the park. It's a be- it's one of my favorite shows that you know that's currently being made. And I tell all my Star Trek fan friends, like a lot of people that worked on Star Trek work on the show. Like uh, Ron Moore is like the showrunner and uh, executive producer. He's the guy that uh, did the you know the 2004 to 2009 Battlestar Galactica series. He's he's running this show. Um, a lot of you know writers and and behind the scenes people uh, from the. Berman era of Star Trek are working on the show. Uh, Michael and Denise Okuda, who did, you know, all the uh, Elkar's computer stuff for TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, they're working on this show. It, it, it's, it, I can't say enough great things about it. Um, and last but not least, uh, I, I want to say that I'm really enjoying the Captain America comic books that uh, Marvel's putting out. They're putting out two right now. One is called Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, and that one features Steve Rogers as Captain America. And then the second one is Captain America Symbol of Truth, which features Sam Wilson as Captain America. So currently in the Marvel Universe, we've got two people carrying the mantle of Captain America, and I'm cool with it. I'm, I, I, you know, like Marvel started this trend, you know, what was it, 2016-ish, when they brought Miles Morales to the main universe. Um, you can do two Spider-Mans at the same time, and, and, it, and it can work. Um, likewise, you know, if you like Sam Wilson as Captain America, or if you like Steve Rogers as Captain America, you can read them both, and and it, it works. Um, the stories have been good so far, and the art's been good, and uh, yeah. First I, first, I was just checking out Steve Rogers' Captain America, because that's, you know, my favorite Captain America. I always check out whenever a new creative team comes on in Captain America, just because I like the character, but I don't always like what they do with him, so I might drop out after a while. But this one, I've, you know, I decided to check out and really enjoyed it. And then I seen, you know, because they were advertising the other Captain America book, and I was like, yeah, I'll check that out. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that, too. So, yeah, they're definitely... Definitely picks for me. Uh, Kevin, what do you got this week for Brain Candy? Okay. Uh, did I do the Teen Titans thing on previous episode? I don't think so. I think that's since we talked last. I, yeah, I don't um, think so. All right, so. Okay. So, as my kid's been watching different Marvel and DC stuff, um, we watched a random episode titans go with all the silliness yep and he said well i want from the beginning and uh from the beginning met the first teen titan show which is five or six seasons there's anime influences there's silliness but not you know the meme silliness that's uh teen titans go mm-hmm. but he's also been really enjoying the dc animated movies too and he said oh there's a teen titans one on here called judas contract i go on oh, no. <laughs> And I yeah. said, I go, listen, I said, you, something happens here and you can watch this hour and change movie or you can watch Teen Titans season two, the same story, pretty much, mm-hmm. but it's up to you if you want the story quick or if you want the story long. 
but then don't be upset when you're watching regular Teen Titans and you know what's coming. He sat and thought, oh, wow, he's like, I want to watch a movie. I go, okay. So he watched the movie, saw what happened, mm-hmm. and he just goes, Dad, that's really, emo- that's really emotional. Like, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I know, buddy. I said, yeah. that's the biggest Teen Titans story ever. So anytime they do Titans, it's gonna they're gonna redo that story. Um, and he he didn't know, what, you know, just in case there's any listeners or whatever that don't know this story here. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know what was coming. He didn't know the twist at all. Lost his mind over it. Was so upset. And then, you know, like re- like asking tons of questions about it, like. Why did it have to happen? Why did they have to do it like this? I go, because that's what makes the good story. Yeah. It had to happen like this. That's one of the biggest Titan stories ever. Yep. Now, the different the animated movie compared to, you know, the original or even Teen Titans cartoon is it's a different team of Titans in the movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you'd have now, Damian Wayne, them, right? Oh, yeah, but he works because Damien gives this speech about, hey, I know what it's like to be raised by someone that manipulates you and tells you certain people are the enemy and tells you not to trust people yeah. that love you and could be your friends and could be your family. And I know what that like and I know what it's like to struggle against that because that was your whole life. And now you have all these things that feel better but you can't trust it and you feel like you can't trust yourself like oh my god damien being this adds so much Mm -hmm. it's actually really good like a really good change for it yeah because i was absolutely loved it um we've been doing the teen titans regular cartoon you know here and there uh we did thor love and thunder which we'll talk about later uh he had to see me tonight my kid because the last episode of Ms. Marvel debuted tonight. Now that just debuted as we're recording this earlier today. Mm-hmm. I will say we absolutely love that entire series. I've said it before, but I think it's the best kid thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Kamala is a teenager and she's so relatable for kids. Yep. And they see themselves in her and her friend, everything. The amount of knowledge I'm gaining from a Marvel show about her culture is astounding. Um, it turned out and, and I, I just never asked, I never questioned you know, because um, I, I just don't. Mm-hmm. But it turns out one of the employees at my local comic shop, his family went through partition. And he knows most generations because everyone has a story. And he was saying, he's like, I have never felt more represented in anything than I have felt Miss Marvel. Well, that's he's awesome. Like, there, there's parts of this that is right from my family. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's beautiful, I, I except have... for I was really disappointed to find out that it has the lowest viewership, but the highest viewership with the ethnic minorities. Not, but it's amazing. I mean, I agree with you, but I think for anyone who wouldn't watch it because they don't. I don't know. Maybe they they don't understand their bias, or they don't 
recognize that maybe they're not interested because it is, uh, whether it's a girl or if it's she's young or if because it's a different ethnicity. But I really, I'm glad they made it. It's so beautiful. It, it's absolutely, even, even people that, you know, we might be friends with, family members, whatever, that would never think they're racist at all. There is something like, oh, it's a brown girl that has nothing to do with me, nothing that interests me. I'm going to skip this one. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's absolutely absurd. It's like, yes, this is a different culture, but every bit of it is so universal and amazing throughout the story. And it, it's it's almost like the European Western culture descent of people that's like, oh, I'm going to ignore this. It's like, don't. That's that's what's been ingrained and why we have certain problems in this world is because of that attitude. Like, yeah. sit down, watch this. You're going to get an amazing superhero story, a great coming-of-age story. You're going to learn something while watching this and maybe treat some people a little bit better after it because, you know, you're, you're going to grow empathy and understanding. But And um, there goes Kevin dropping the mic. Boom. <laughs> It was so good and beautiful, though. And the I, I, again, the last one was today. I got things I wanted. I got things that I didn't know I wanted. And I got things that shocked me. And I was so happy with it. Excellent. So, um, I'm, I'm so glad we watched it together today. I'm. Uh, I didn't watch last week's yet, and I. I didn't watch today's, so I'm two episodes behind. Like, to be honest with you, like, I was considering skipping this one. Not not because of the ethnicity issue, but just because it. Um, I thought it was uh, going to be geared more towards teens. Um, uh, so, for, for me, it wasn't the ethnicity issue. It was more, I didn't think those, I was the demographic, the target demographic. Um, but you know, curiosity got the better of me, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to watch the first episode anyway. And then I ended up loving it. Um, so I think, you know, maybe for some people it might be, you know, because they don't see themselves being represented, they're like, I'll have a pass. Um, but I think some people, you know, maybe were like me and thought, well, this is more geared toward teenage girls, so maybe I won't watch it. Um, but that being said, uh, like I said, it, it was still great um and i and i and i thoroughly enjoyed it um a a lot happens in that fifth episode a lot happens in it and it's beautiful and then yeah the episode six there was just oh god i i'm still digesting it but there was so much i enjoyed yeah well i'm and and to be honest with you um I, I wasn't the biggest Captain Marvel fan. Like, I, you know, like, I thought the movie was, like, meh. Um, I, you know, when she showed up in Endgame, I, I enjoyed that. Um, but knowing that Kamala is going to be in, you know, the Marvels movie um, has me very excited. You know, because I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that interaction. And then I'm also assuming Monica Rambeau is going to be in it as well. Yeah, she's supposed to be. So, Um, I uh, earlier this week, 
and I had to stop because I realized I was confused, but I read the new Poison Ivy comic, mm-hmm. and it's by the same writer who wrote Ms. Marvel. Okay. So I was like, ooh, what, what are you going to do with Poison Ivy? And it was really good, but it's also very... It, you could read it without reading anything else, but for me, I'm like, okay, I feel I would enjoy this better if I read whatever the previous story was. They got Poison Ivy to this point in her life. Mm-hmm. So I found out what Batman story it was. It's called Fear State. I got to just get the graphic novel collection and then read, you know, go back to Poison Ivy. But it was like uh, on her own, on the run kind of thing, uh, interacting with people, good or bad. And then it becomes this crazy acid trip kind of thing, too. With her powers. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens here. I'm along for this ride to have. It, it was, all, in a way, it was almost like Poison Ivy, Ivy as Hulk, in a way. Hmm. Like, here, here's your banner. Here's your common thing. Here's, you know, I've got looking for trouble, but trouble seems to always find me. Yeah. And then someone pisses me off and here's this other side of me. That's hmm. terrifying. Yeah. Like, really, that's what it seemed like. And I, I was just like, I'm going to enjoy this much more if I know how she got here. Yeah. But I absolutely want to continue with it. Um, and then I finally uh, discovered, I found a comic that's older. It was a Vertigo title, but I just saw it come through work. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty. Let me give it a chance. And I only read the first issue out of the six collected, but I'm super curious. It's called Godless Mode. And it's pretty much like a future where... Um, Imagine your like everything we do on our phones becomes the actual reality that we live in. So like you go into your kitchen or your bathroom and you have pop up ads and um you know uh uh metaverse stuff like every wall every everything could be a screen selling you something telling you something else about the world. Um, you have to, uh, much like when you have a video game on your phone, you gotta, like, pay for more things mm-hmm. for your character. Uh, in this world, if you want, like, silly things like clean air to breathe and clean water, you gotta pay more for your character, your actual body, to enjoy it. Hmm. And everything's, everything's run by this one company that's like, no, don't you understand? We're putting these things in front of you that you would enjoy, because according to our algorithm of the things you've looked at before, you should enjoy these as well. So you should be thanking us yeah. for putting all of this in front of you. So clearly the world's messed up. And this girl that we're following in there, that's uh, she calls herself like a cyber janitor pretty much. She's like, oh, I just go in and clean up the code and try and make things better. But really she's, you know, hacking and finding, you know, stuff that she shouldn't in there. Mm-hmm. She gets drawn into the computer world of this place that's running everything. Um, like her consciousness is in there figuring out, okay, stuff's bad, but maybe I can fix it from the inside and make our outside world a little better. And all of a sudden, at the end of the first issue, these other characters show up in this computer world. They're like, hey, took you long enough to get here. We needed someone else. We need like one more person. We think we can take this down. You're ready to join our fight. I was like, oh my God, this looks cool. So in the computer world there they all have their like kind of avatar looking things of 
hey, I might look this way in the real world, but here, where we're trying to do something to save society, I look really badass. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, I'm like, is this going to be Sucker Punch done right? Hmm. You know, here's this awful world, but here's our fantasy world where we're trying to make stuff better, and we look awesome doing it. Yeah. And it's all, we are women protagonists for, for it. Yeah. And that I'm I'm going to continue with it, just hoping that that's what it ends up being. Like, is this going to be everything I wanted from that movie, and not fall flat? Hopefully, I'm awesome. crossing my fingers. Oh, um, sorry, one more. Totally forgot that I read it this week. I read Department of Truth, Volume Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Depart- Department of Truth. For any listeners that don't know, um, the more people believe in something, it can become real and tangible. So, like, the first issue has someone on a plane, and he sees the wall at the end of the world at the North Pole. Because so many people are believing that now that it's becoming real. And then he gets working for the Department of Truth, which is like, okay, now we got to put counter stories out there because we need people, we need more people to believe that's not true. So then it goes away. And we've had to do this throughout the years to balance stuff out. You know, anytime some fake story gets built up we need to manipulate the media and certain other things to bring it all back to reality and then the conspiracies hit and they hit even more in this one mm-hmm. and this is like tying together every supernatural paranormal conspiracy uh you know secret organization all of that you've ever heard in your life into one narrative and i'm reading it going i'm not smart enough for this book Oh my god, I'm not smart enough for this comic. It hurts so much, but it's so brilliant. And and there's stuff brought up in here that I didn't know about, that I'm scared if I go down that rabbit hole, I'm going to waste a lot of time. Yeah. But absolutely brilliant mind job for just messing with you and your perception of things. And, and, and you know, a funny book. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, before we uh, talk about uh, Thor 11 Thunder, uh, Lillian is going to be stepping away because she hasn't seen it yet, and we don't want to spoil her. But before you go, Lillian, uh, where can we find you on the Internet? You can find me on the Internet on Twitter at Talking Squirrel. That's with no A, so it's Talking Squirrel. Um, Come say hello. And thank you so much, guys. It was fun tonight. Okay, so it it is talking squirrel with no a. Okay, so I yeah, got yeah talking squirrel with no a. I got to change that in the show notes because I actually I seen that the other other week and I was like, oh man, have I been doing it wrong this whole time? And I put an a in there. Um, <laughs> no a's. But I should have been listening. Um, all right, well but thank at you. At the same time, it's all oh, good. But yeah, sorry. Well, I just wanted to thank you, Lillian, for joining us, and uh, yeah, have a have a great uh, rest of your week. This was fun, and I'm super impressed that all of us avoided Batman. Yeah. Yeah. That Have one. a good night, everybody, all right? You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, Kev. Uh, it's just you and I, and okay. we're, we're talking about Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I... How should... How should I start this? Um... Did did you enjoy it? 
I enjoyed it, and I've seen it twice. Um, I saw it opening night with uh, my local comic store rented up theater. Yep. And then uh, my kid wanted to see it this weekend as well, so I didn't, I didn't tell him I'd already seen it. So we went to see it again. Excellent. Yeah, I, I seen it yesterday uh, with my daughter um, because, I, you know, I had to work this last weekend, so I couldn't get into the theater to see it. But I wanted to see it as soon as possible because, you know, my social media feeds are popping up with stuff, and I was really trying to avoid getting spoiled. Um, so I did enjoy it. Um, I think it's a, a good f- uh, Marvel film. Um but I do have some problems with it. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just uh, say my my problems with it. Um, so uh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday on the way home uh, from the movie, uh, the Comic Geek Speak podcast, or no, not comic, no, sorry, the Comic Conspiracy podcast. That's what I was listening to. And uh, the host, uh, Ryan Higgins, was uh, giving, starting to give an, an analogy about the Thor movies, but then he, I think he got interrupted, so he never did to finish it, but I knew exactly where he was going with this. So I wanted to use this analogy, because I think it, it absolutely works. Um, so, Kev, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen all the Lethal Weapon movies. I'm pretty sure I have. Okay, I love I love the Lethal Weapon franchise. I've you know I and I I, I do like all the movies in it, but there is uh, there was a change from the first movie to the last movie, and I kind of feel the same thing has happened with Thor. So Thor one and two were more like uh, I would compare them to Lethal Weapon one, um, where you know, Thor, I mean, there was some jokes, there was some, you know, me, you know, fish out of water stuff, but for the most part, it was pretty, pretty, uh, serious, uh, Thor, a take on Thor, you know, and Asgard and all that kind of stuff, Thor 1 and 2. Then with Thor Ragnarok, which is my favorite Thor movie, um... It kind of became like Lethal Weapon 2, where Lethal Weapon 2, um, they introduced, like, like the jokes and stuff from the first movie, they continued on in the second movie, but there was more of it, and they actually brought a comedic character into uh, the group in, in the, the second Lethal Weapon movie. So I really felt that was like Ragnarok, where there was definitely more jokes... Even though it was serious, and like Lethal Weapon 2 also has a serious story as well. You know, because you literally have Ragnarok taking place in, in Thor Ragnarok. You have, um, you know, the death of Odin, you know, the uh, the uh, the Heroes 3, is that? Um, Warriors 3. Warriors 3, yes. Um, you have... Uh, you know, some very, very serious stuff going on in that movie. But it was also a lot of fun, uh, a lot of humor. You know, uh, Korg uh, is, you know, basically like the new comic character, comic relief character, kind of like uh, the Joe Pesci character from Lethal Weapon 2. 
Um, and like Thor Ragnarok, Lethal Weapon 2 is also my favorite movie from that franchise. So, you know, I enjoyed it. But as the Lethal Weapon 3 and 4 came and, and went, it became more jokey. It became more silliness. And I really felt that happen with Thor Love and Thunder. Um, there were times it just got too silly for me. Um, and, you know, like the jokes went on longer than they should have. And so in that sense, it was kind of like Lethal Weapon 4. Um, where Lethal Weapon 4 was a good movie, but it was just too jokey. And the villain in Lethal Weapon 4, who was played by Jet Li, it was his first uh, American movie, um, is really underutilized in that film. Like, he was he was a great villain, but he actually didn't do a lot, and we didn't see him a lot. And I kind of felt that way, the same about Gore. Like, I, you know, I was really kind of, you know, like Christian Bale did did a great job and everything, but I just felt that uh, that character got wasted in this film. Because, um, spo- and, and we are going to say spoilers uh, for our review uh, like he dies at the end, and I was like, "Oh, that 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 kind of sucks." Um, I think my biggest complaint is I I think they tried to do too much in one film. Um, you know, because like the two main storylines from the comic books that are featured in this movie is the Mighty Thor storyline, and then the Gore the God Butcher storyline, which are two great storylines from Jason Aaron, and they and they tried to do them both in one film, and I feel like it just didn't. They didn't pull it off. Um, but that being said, like I, like I took my daughter to it, and she thoroughly enjoyed it. Um. But again, she never read the comic, so she like because when we got out of it, and uh, she was asking me if I liked it, and I'm like, it was it was all right. Um, I I was hoping, for, you know, it'd be a little bit better, and she asked me, wh- you know, why I thought it should be better, and then I started, you know, telling her, you know, like kind of did two stories in one here, and then I felt like both didn't get the proper tre- you know, proper service. Um. Because really, I, I really feel that, you know, Jane becoming Thor, that could have been a movie in itself. Um, and then Gore, the God Butcher, like that storyline where, you know, because in, in the comic books anyway, like in the, and I didn't quite get that in the movie, but apparently, you know, after watching some reviews and stuff, uh, Gore actually doesn't butcher a lot of gods in this film because he's just got that the the necro sword just prior to the beginning of this movie so he hasn't actually been in action very long whereas in the comic books like he got the the necro sword um back in the viking days like you know like th- you know a thousand years ago so he's been, you know, he he. Even though he's a new villain for the Thor comic book, 
Jason Aaron wrote him that, you know, he's always kind of been there. Like, he's come in and out of Thor's life throughout the the years, you know, in his, uh, you know, Slaughter of Gods. So, I, you know, like, if you're going to do a gore story, I really wish they would have just did that story and then do the Jane, or do the, you know, have this movie be, you know, Jane Thor with Thor in it and then do the gore, gore story. Because, like, the, you know, like, the gore... The God, you know, the God Bomb storyline, like it, it, it was so good, you know, like you had three different Thors from three different time periods. You had the unworthy Thor, you know, from the Viking era. You had today's modern day Thor, and then you had old King Thor, who was, you know, like that, you know, thousands of years older than those other two. And he was more like Odin at this point. Like he had, you know, the one eye, he had the eye patch. He, you know, his one arm had been, Gore had cut it off years ago, and now he uses a destroyer arm. Um, and, uh, you know, and he, old King Thor, it's just him and his three granddaughters. They're the only ones left from Asgard that haven't been killed by Gore. Um so then you get in the, in the towards the end of the story, you get the three Thors from three different time periods teaming up with their granddaughters to ultimately stop Gore from killing all the gods throughout time uh, using you know his god bomb, and 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 that I think would have been an amazing movie to see that, um, you know, and you could have had fun with it. You could have had like maybe Liam Hemsworth play the younger Thor and. And, uh, you know, maybe bring in, a, you know, Anthony Hopkins, maybe, you know, as the old King Thor. Like, I don't know. Like, there's so many, so many ways you could have went about it. I just felt like with this film, like, you know, like, it just got under, both stories got underutilized. Um, you know, like having Jane... Uh, you know, go through cancer. Like, I mean, that itself should have been... I, I kind of feel like she should have had her own movie with, with Thor as a guest star in it. But, anyway. Um, like I said, I, I, I didn't hate it. I just, you know, being a fan of that of Jason Aaron's run on Thor, I just really felt that they were they're trying to do too much with this film. And as a result, you know... It, it didn't quite uh, hit the mark for me. Uh, but that being said, Kevin, what, what are your thoughts? So your, your lethal weapon example makes a lot of sense, actually. I, I see where that's coming from. I had uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier today as well, and I'll, I'll get the exact quote wrong. But the example was for seeing Thor was, um, I ate dinner, but all I ate was cake. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I enjoy cake. I like cake. But it was just cake, though. It was all the, you know, sweetness and yeah. stuff. Not, you know, not technically dinner. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, I agree. I felt a lot of it was just too rushed. Like, yeah. that was a lot of movie packed into two hours. 
Yep. That easily could have been two movies. And honestly, because the Guardians have a, a holiday special coming up, mm-hmm. if Thor came out later, I would just be like, okay, here's a scene of Thor leaving the Guardians, have it for the holiday special, so we don't yeah. need to take up that time in the movie. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, have, you know, here's the story of uh, Thor comes back to New Asgard, he meets Jane, we get Jane's backstory, she has ebbs and flows, she gets sicker, some different villain other than Gore that they have to team up for. Yes. Um, yep. But we, but it being part one of two in this scenario, there's whispers of Gore. Like, we know something's coming. Yeah. You know, to build it up. Exactly. Um, yep. And then, you know, and the first part with, like, okay, Thor and, and Jane defeated the bad guy, and then she collapses... Uh, we come back to, she's in, you know, the hospital and we got like, you know, the, the machines and the beeping and stuff like that. Uh, credits go, it says Jane Foster will return, you know, and then show like, uh, Gore killing some other god, mm-hmm. you know, setting up the next one. So the next one could be Gore. So then you got the scenes where Jane goes to help Thor, knowing she's gonna die hits that much more because we've seen more of her story. We have a couple months to a year in between the two movies. We've grown to care about her more. So the sacrifice means more. Yep. Because like, I, I enjoyed the hell of it. One, she just looks so badass. Mm -hmm. She looks so cool. Yeah. She was silly, but it was fun. It's like, if you were given the power of the gods, this is what you would do too. You'd be having fun with it and being silly and making mistakes and, you know, flying off and throwing your hammer first and thinking second, despite being one of the greatest scientists, you know, in this world. Yep. How could you not be tempted by the fun of it, especially when that's the only time you, quite literally in this scenario, don't feel like you're dying. Yep. So why wouldn't you do this? Um, but it's so rushed. Like, here's cool character, and then bad stuff happens, and here's Gore, and Gore's got some great moments, too. But it's just so rushed and nothing is able to breathe and nothing gets the dramatic weight that it really should. Yeah. The kids being kidnapped is such a creepy scene. That is so creepy. The kids in the walk-in cage thing. Um, uh, Gore doing his uh, uh, head ripped off weird puppet thing. Like there's lots of creepy, heavy moments there that should have been able to land a little harder. Um, even like the stuff with Zeus, which is played up comedic and it was brilliant and funny and all because you look at those original myths and stories and you know, the gods are terrible and they're all about their own ego and they're all about their own excess. So it made sense to play Zeus up like that Mm -hmm. to a comedic role. Like I was fine with it, but then his death feels rushed, um, his his worry, like when he's whispering to Thor, he's like, yeah, I'm worried about Gore as well, but I don't think he'll get that far, which is why I'm ignoring it. Like, it it should have had more weight to it, because that was a really good moment. That yep. just, some of the stuff just didn't land. Um, And, I, and, and it's sounding like I did enjoy it, but I did. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yep. But I just, there's ways I would have liked it just a little bit more, though, you know? Um, the the what the heck was it? Um, Immortal C- City or whatever it was called there, where all the gods hang out. Yep. 
I'm looking in the background for all of them. Like, what is going on? There was so much there, and I think there'll be so much more we discover on like Blu-rays. Yeah. Um. And and the funny parts were funny for that stuff too. But I just wanted more balance for. I wanted more drama and. Mm-hmm. Like when they when they go into you know that shadow star shadow shadow world whatever there yeah it looks so creepy taking away all the color amazing idea when they crash into the planet and it turns out it's much smaller than we realize and closer yeah funny moment but made it creepier too gore traveling through the shadows um you know summon the summon the axe and you see the pain and hurt in everyone's eyes there's so much I really was. <laughs> enjoying for that stuff um i even i didn't know where we were going with the kids i was very curious i lost it for the end scene though i really thought that was so cool so brilliant i was so excited to see that with my son he was going nuts see all these kids get the powers for a little bit yeah he was going crazy for it i mean that there was kid service there but yeah well done kid service and I don't know if you caught it. We both caught it there. But when Thor gives the powers and the lightning is like trickling through all of them, um, it's Yggdrasil. It's the world tree. Yes. As yep. Thor gives the I was like, oh my god, what a great little Easter egg there to tie it all in together. And then the music choices were brilliant. November Rain for that battle and then for Jane... And, you know, we all near debating on joining the fight. So cool. Yeah. I was going nuts for it. Um, the way that Mjolnir worked with splitting apart and then coming back together was just such a cool visual on the screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I even, I even liked, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the closing credits music of being a rainbow in the dark is a really good choice for, you know, the Rainbow Bridge and, mm-hmm. you know, all that they went through. But Ronnie James Dio also died of cancer. It's a oh. very interesting musical choice as well. Yeah. Which I, I don't think was coincidental, you know. Um, yeah. And the the end credits there, one, and, and we already said spoiler alert, and people yep. didn't, you know, ignored it there. Hercules looks awesome. Can't wait to see what happens there. My guess is Hercules will tie into what I'm guessing is the Dark Avengers slash Thunderbolts coming up as the Thor replacement. Um, and then the end there with uh, uh, Valhalla, if we're going Secret Wars, which we all think we're going to, you could bring anyone in Valhalla back in that Secret Wars concept of all the worlds colliding. Like, what's Valhalla but just another world that could collide and rejoin ours? Yeah. So I think they'll be back there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think for what it was, I, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. But if I was going to do it myself, I probably would have done two movies, let it breathe more let it have some more serious moments and let something give some things the weight that they needed. Yes, exactly. I, I totally agree. Um, 
because like I said, um, that's my biggest issue is, and I kind of, I, you know, like back all the way back in 2019 when, when they announced, uh, this at Comic-Con and they had Natalie Portman come out and, you know, and Taika Waititi gives her the hammer on stage. I was like, you know, that's cool. You know, doing the, you know, the mighty Thor, um, you know, they're bringing her back. I like that. But then when, then they, I think it was, it might've been there. It might've been shortly thereafter when they're like, oh yeah, the villain's going to be gore. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's too much. You got, you know, gore needs to, gore, in my opinion, could be like a Thanos level villain. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, Christian Bale is amazing. Like he was, he was really good. Um, I just, you know, I just feel like, uh, it's just, it's, it's too bad that, you know, like we're not going to get that now. Um, so, you know, like that's my biggest complaint is it's just a little too much. And some of the jokes got a little on in the tooth after a while. Like, you know, like the whole, you know, Stormbreaker being jealous. I was like, you know, like that was funny the first time, but then after, you know, they keep bringing it up. It's like, eh. um, Oh, what else? Oh yeah. And they like the, like the goats there doing their screaming. I, I laughed every time though. Yeah. Like it, it, I think they did it just one or two times too many, but there were, you know, it was funny. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I did like that, but I thought they just did that one or two times too many. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, like I didn't hate this movie. I just think, uh, you know, we kind of wasted some potential here. Um, it's it's like if a seventies eighties painted van had a movie, yeah. Especially it, that opening, that opening scene where he even does the Jean Claude Van Damme split. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, some of that's like I, I thought it was pretty fun. Like when you know, like they're trying to you know, like the the king or whatever that planet wants that castle saved and then <laughs> no. it crumbles. You know, and then they give him these goats as a thank you. Like I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then I felt like the Guardians got underutilized, um, and, and not just them, but Lady Sif, like, and I know, like, we were messaging about this, like, what, where is she, like, I, I hate that, that she really got, you know, kind of turned into a joke, you know, when she's like, oh, I'm gonna die and go to Valhalla, and, and Thor's like, well, you, if you do die, you're not gonna go to Valhalla, because you didn't die in battle, because you're still alive. And you're missing an arm, and it's, uh, uh, you know, and then yeah, they they didn't. I thought, okay, well, this is the opportunity for to see the destroyer arm, you know, like maybe they're gonna do that, and then they didn't. And I was like, oh, and like the kids thing, I you know, like I, I get it, like it's you know, like uh, it's great for you know uh, the younger kids to see that. And, you know, it's definitely for them. It's just I kind of felt it was a little silly too much for me. Um, especially, like, I've, I've found out that I think all those kids are, like, family members of, like, the cast and actors um, and, and crew of the movie. Like, the, the like Gore's daughter is actually Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Um, oh, all right. So I was like, and I... I, I don't, like, I was trying to look this up, but I couldn't find anything, but 
I something tells me that that is actually Idris Elba's son who plays his son in the movie. I could be wrong, but um, I just eh, you know like like I kind of understand what Gore was tr- you know like he's trying to bring th- lure Thor out on his terms, but. I don't know. Like it went as soon as Thor started sharing that power, I, I it, it immediately got me thinking of Shazam. Um, yeah. Like when you know um, uh, Billy gives all that power to all the uh, you know all the other kids in his home, and they all you know become. Well, I call them Captain Marvels, but uh, you know they're Shazams or whatever you want to call them. But um, that's kind of what I felt, especially with the you know the lightning part of it, you know. And and to be honest, at first I didn't I didn't get that he was sharing Zeus's power with them. I, I like when <clears throat> when he started sharing it, I was like, if Thor could do this the whole time, why didn't he just bring the adults with them and give them the powers? Um. And and because you know they are just kids, right? Like I mean, they are you know they have these powers, but. You know, they're you're asking kids to fight these monsters. Like, I I know it's a Disney movie and they're not going to kill kids, but uh, you know, I don't know. Just from a writing standpoint, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But you know, like, but like you said, your son really enjoyed it, and and that's definitely the target was was for them. Um, but anyway, like I said, I I I. I talking a lot of negatives i didn't hate it i just w- wish yeah like like you said it, it had been two different movies um yeah I, I just wanted a little more emotional weight to some of it yeah especially with jane you know like you know like her her dying at the end um like and i and honestly i don't like the that she ends up in valhalla not that i don't think the character should shouldn't have ended up there I just don't think we needed to see it. Like, a, you know, like a, it kind of took away from her death scene, I felt. Um, but maybe Natalie Portman, you know, they're leaving the door open for her to come back, possibly. Um, but I don't know. Um, well, by by going to Valhalla, though, that bumps her up to God level, though, right? Yeah. Like a hum, a regular Earth human can't go to Valhalla. Yeah. So yeah, be, uh, I was like, okay, they are showing this to show that she's become something more than human because of all this. Yeah. Yeah. I also so. All right, I'm gonna have to watch a movie like a couple more times to really see. But. All right, like you, you know. Let's say gods like Zeus, like that Greek pantheon, mm-hmm. um, are, for modern terms, let's say sexually fluid. You know, mm-hmm. they'll turn themselves into whatever and have their way with, you know, humans and wood nymphs and other gods and whatever they want to. Yep. You know, male, female, animal, whatever. So they're, they're sort of sexually fluid. So... You could say that gods for being immortal and living forever and all kind of play around. And there were moments in the movie where I was like, 
are they implying Valkyrie and Jane kind of fooled around before Thor came back? Yeah, I kind of got that too. It, it was especially in that uh, Immortal City or whatever the yes. place was called. Yeah. Yeah, where, where Thor and Jane are talking and Valkyrie's yeah. giving a look the whole time. Um, Jane says something about, or no, Thor says something about you never forget your first. Jane gives an awkward look. Valkyrie's given like a smirk, though. Yeah. And then Jane flies off, and Valkyrie's like, "What's that all about?" And he goes, "Oh, nothing. We're on the same team." And she said, "Yep, Team Jane." And I was like, "Wait a minute." Yep. You know, it, and and yeah, it's like, oh no, we're supporting her. But I'm like, okay, but it also kind of implies, you know, hey, we had, you know, she's in love with you. And that's love, but you weren't around, and you know we have a, a, a certain bond here, mm-hmm. and just kind of rolled with that for a bit without blatantly saying it, though. But I really, you know, and and I I caught on to it a little more on the second viewing, and I'm just like, I think they're heavily implying that you know they have the little I don't know friends with benefits thing until Thor came back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah caught that too. Um, but when you when you're talking about the gods and stuff initially, I thought you might have been talking about Zeus because, like, remember when when he comes around and he's wearing like that little skirt and then he does that little dainty walk down the steps. Yes. I'm like, what is that about? Like, like I, I don't know. Like, you know, I like when I heard that you know they're casting. To me, it, it, like, to be honest, I didn't hate it, but it kind of reminded me of, like, when Ben Kingsley showed up in Iron Man 3 as the Mandarin. Yeah. I was like, that is an excellent choice. Like, Ben Kingsley's an amazing actor. He'll play a great villain. And then he becomes, like, a joke. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it, it, that is kind of funny, but I, I, I would have preferred if he was just the Mandarin. Uh, I kind of felt that way about this, where... You know, Russell Crowe, I hear, you know, he's going to be Zeus. I'm like, that's amazing. And, and, and you know, the whole flicking thing, like, I that made me laugh. Like, I thought that was absolutely, you flick too hard, damn it. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Um, but when they, you know, when he just seems like a, like a goof and, and, you know, the, you know, wearing that little skirt and everything i'm like oh man like now you now you made zeus kind of a joke you know kind of like the mandarin you know you got this great actor who could you know like would you, you know like if he played like a badass zeus it would ju- he would just be amazing at it well but but there's like hints of that being there when he whispers to thor yeah you know one-on-one there and then at the end, as he's introducing Hercules, he sounded more uh, um, forceful. Yeah. Well, and what I was hoping, like, because, like, when he did that whisper thing, I thought, well, you know, he's going to, you know, like, let's, let's go talk about this in private, you know. And and, and then, you know, get Thor in a, into a room alone, and then he just kicks the shit out of Thor. And then be like, you know, I know what you're saying, dude, but I'm put, i i got to put this show on for these people. Because we got, you know, we got to stick together here. Like, we can't start just, you know, we can't leave with you and, and go after Gore. Like, he's going to kill us all. Like, but if we stay together, you know, we'll, we'll be safe. You know, like, I just, you know, I think that would have been better. Like, you, you know, seeing Zeus as, you know, 
as a badass, and he's just putting on a show for everyone to keep everyone there. Um, which is what he was doing, but, you know, he was, they didn't really let up on the silliness enough. Um, but yeah, Hercules, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of... He, he kind of looked badass, but not, that's not exactly who I was picturing as Hercules. Like, to be honest with you... Oh, like, no, no, I'm picturing Walt Simonson version. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like That's not what it was. Yeah, like, like to be honest with you, Russell Crowe 20 years ago would have been a perfect Hercules, I think. Like, just based yeah. on, on Gladiator, you know. Like, that's who I would see as in, in that type of role. Um like honestly, someone that they should have considered would be Pedro Pascal. I think he would have been amazing, but maybe he's not big enough. But and kudos to Chris Hemsworth. Like I, I, you know, like that guy really got in. He's always been in great shape for these, you know, movies. Except but this for, was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know him doing the splits. I think that was actually him doing that. I, I don't think that was a. CGI thing. I think he can do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, overall, like, like I said, my, you know, I would give this a three out of five for, you know, uh, in terms of ratings. Um, but I, I did like Ragnarok better. Um, but that being said too, like Ragnarok, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, they 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 combined two storylines there. You know, they combined, you know, the story of Ragnarok from mythology uh, with Planet Hulk. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, by doing that, you're kind of closing the door on a Planet Hulk movie. But that I, I was willing to be okay with because I understand there's rights issues with the Hulk movies. So you can't do a Planet Hulk without involving Universal studios because they still hold the rights to the hulk you know using air quotes hulk movies you know even though i think they should just you know make a like an agreement that they did with sony like i think you know like they definitely should be making hulk movies um because yeah like a world war hulk i want to see that um and to be honest with you i i i think this is this is just speculation complete speculation i think marvel is planning to one day do a maestro movie um just because of I the com that. yeah because like with the comics that are coming out now uh you know the maestro miniseries like they could do using air quotes a maestro movie um and just market it based on the maestro I mean, because they can do movies with the Hulk in it. They just can't do a singular Hulk movie and have Hulk in the title. Otherwise, they got a it's a rights issue with Universal. So I could see them doing a Maestro movie uh, because they can market it as a as Maestro without you know getting uh, bogged down with the with the Hulk rights. Because that's why they're you know they're able to do the She Hulk TV series. Um, which is which is hilarious because the whole reason She-Hulk got created in the first place as a comic book was because they didn't want them to do She-Hulk in the TV show. Yeah, Marvel wanted, Mar you know, because that's why Marvel did it because they were like, if they do a She-Hulk in the TV show, then we're not going to have any rights to her, so we have to do it first. 
So it's ironic that it, you know, uh, 40 years later, like, it's flipped flipped around now. Now there's a She-Hulk TV show, but no Hulk TV show. Same with the uh, original Spider-Woman. Yes, exactly. Make her before someone else does. Yep, absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, you, you run into what Marvel did with Wonder Man. You know, like, Wonder Man should be a DC character because there's a Wonder Woman, but, you know... I know there was a Wonder Man back in the day, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, that 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 was a blatant ripoff of Superman. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I, I'm giving it. I'm giving it a three out of five. What what, what would you give it, Kevin? Uh, right now, I'll say a three and a half. I think I liked it more than you did. It's not the best one. It's not perfect, but um, as I you know watch it more and more over the years, I'll nail that down but right now i'm gonna say three and a half okay um well you weren't on when we did our review of dr strange what what did you like doctor the doctor strange too and what would you rate that Uh, so all right if i'm giving thor three and a half right now i think i'd give multiverse a three um i liked it i i liked it a lot um i saw it I think I did once in theaters, and I think I've seen it once on Disney Plus since it came out on there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw it, there was so much of, okay, this is cool, but I also expected a hundred other things, and I'm not yeah. getting a hundred other things, but that's on me. So then watching it again, um, in a way, kind of like Love and Thunder, I felt like, okay, if, there's a lot here, but there's also not enough. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with certain weight and all. Um, if we're going to do the Illuminati, we should have gotten more of them. If we're going to go through yeah. many universes, we should have gone through more universes. And honestly, more that mattered. Yes. Like, they should have gone through ones that I saw something went, oh my god, that world? That's so crazy. As opposed to, okay, here's dinosaurs, here's ink, here's skeletons. Like, they didn't matter. But yeah. if you showed me something that actually <clears throat> mattered... It, it would have been, ooh, sorry, it would have been very cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't know going into it because I I was just very spoiler free. I didn't know Scott which was going to be the bad guy going into it, so that was very very cool. There's a lot of great Sam Raimi horror stuff in there I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it felt like okay, and now our awesome villain is just gone, and we're all moving forward. Like, what else is there? But part of that is all of these being chapters of a longer story. And at this point, some of them are just chapters and they're not functioning as well as standalone movies. Yeah. Like at the start, they were all good standalone movies that added more. Now a lot of these are like, okay, where are we going next? And there was a lot of Doctor Strange, like it's set up for where we're going next, but it's not really its own thing. I I had fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'd still put it around like three out of five probably yeah see i'm i'm kind of the opposite of you because i would actually i actually like dr strange 2 a little bit more than i liked thor um i would i would give i wouldn't give it a three and a half but i would give it like a 3.25 i liked it just a little bit better than than thor um but uh yeah, it definitely had issues. And like you said, like, you know, yeah, now they're kind of making these as chapters of an overall bigger cinematic picture. 
Um, yeah. Which, which, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I mean, it's Marvel. It, it's what it's what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> but um, you know, I do kind of miss the standalone. You know, you don't know what's you know who's coming out of this type of thing. Um. Because yeah, there's definitely going to be a Doctor Strange three. Um. But yeah, I just yeah, I I did enjoy it a little bit more. But again, like I said, I. I I know I'm speaking a lot of negatives here, but uh, there's still, you know, these movies are still better than a lot of movies that are out there right now, especially what we're getting from DC. Um, I like, I don't know if you saw the trailer for Black Adam. It it played in, yeah. my, in my theater. Um, and I'm like, meh, you know, like I, I really wasn't blown away. Like, it's just the rock wearing a Black Adam outfit now black adam's a good guy like i i hate how dc's doing that you know he like he needs yeah, he needs to be a dick like he absolutely does and, and i'll see it eventually but i'm not worried about seeing it in theater yeah and you can't really do it because it depends on so many other things but i really enjoyed black adam as part of the 52 series and oh, okay yeah. as stuff happened to him he kind of gets upset and snaps and leads to a big culmination of this, of a lot of the storylines too. I'm like, this was brilliant. This was really cool. Yep. Um, and I, I get him as anti-hero as having his own agenda. Um, there's a, like a Marvel's name or quality to black Adam in a way. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. Um, but this movie's just, DC just has not, figured it out and they can't even copy an A to get an A with Marvel. Yeah. But I, I saw I saw the trailer, I'm like, you're not putting anyone on here I care about, either character wise or actor wise. And I I like The Rock, but I'm not, you know, a day one for any of his movies by far. And I was just like, I can wait, but Marvel you know, despite us nitpicking Thor mm-hmm. there, Marvel still gives me a certain feeling when I go to the movies that the D C ones don't. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you know, like I, I literally got off night shift Tuesday morning, um, like six o'clock Tuesday morning. And I was watching Thor at three twenty in the afternoon because I just, <laughs> I, I knew like if I, if I don't see it right away, I'm going to get spoiled somewhere. I had to, you know, I, I wanted to see it before that happened. I won't yeah. do, I won't do that for a DC movie ever. Like I've no. I've been burnt so many times by DC, I just eh. Honestly, I think the last DC I went to see inside the theater was probably Green Lantern. Yeah, well it, and otherwise I just wait on them. I'll I'll go see them like when they come to my local. Um, like I seen Aquaman there. The only one where I made, you know, cause when I say I go like, cause I have to see these movies right away, I have to drive at least an hour to go see them. Uh, because my local, uh, which is only like a 10 minute walk from my house, I, you know, they, they get those movies like not on release day. Like very rarely do they get a movie that's the day of release. Uh, but they, and it's definitely never a Marvel movie or, um, they, they are a little better with the DC movies, but not with the Marvel movies. Um, 
So if I want to go see a Marvel movie right away, I have to make a special trip. The only time I've done that special trip uh, in the last... Since uh, Justice League is uh, Shazam. Because I'm I'm a fan of the original Captain Marvel. Um, I You know, it still drives me nuts that we're calling him Shazam. Um, like, we, you know, in the movie, we should still call him Captain Marvel. And I hate how New 52, they, you know, they just refer to him as Shazam now. It's like, no, he's Captain Marvel. Like, you know, like, I realize we're competing against Marvel, but it's always going to be a thing. You know, I hate, you know, changing that. Um, but that was the last one I went in to see. Um, because I, uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Cap, original Captain Marvel fan. And I'll, and for the second one, I'll probably go see that one too. But all the other ones, like yeah, Aquaman, Suicide Squad, that stuff. I just wait till they show up at my local, and it, and if it lines up with my days off. If if not, then I'm I'm waiting till they come out on, uh, you know, Crave uh, up here in Canada. That's our <laughs> our movie channel. Like I'll I'll wait for that. But anywho, um, thank you, Kevin, for for staying on extra to to talk about Thor with me. I really appreciate oh, that. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, but as always, uh, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. So, Kevin, where can we find you, sir? All right, you can find me on most social medias is at Masked Library. MaskedLibrary.com is my home blog. And then I uh, shot a video this past week, which will be going up soon, and an article which went up, but I'm doing more for the Retro Network. And all you got to do is type in the Retro Network, look for my name or recent articles, recent podcasts. So either way, it'll all show up. Excellent. Um, you can catch me here at the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. Um, I do want to say, uh, original, like, we have an episode of Trek 1701 that we're going to be recording at the end of the month. Um, we've been doing less Trek 1701 just because everyone's schedules are, are real crazy. Uh, especially Ragnar. He's, he's going out and doing a lot of shows. That's why he wasn't with us tonight on this episode. Um... You know, he's just, he's busy with his business. You know, like, summer is his busy time. Um, and likewise with Trek 1701, um, everyone's been busy, so we are do, planning an episode at the end of the month. We were going to do a themed episode where we're, I was calling it uh, the uh, Three View, where we were going to watch three different episodes from three different series. And then every episode, someone's going to pick three different episodes. <laughs> Uh, we're kind of putting that on hold for now, just because it, you know, you know, as it turns out, we're having a hard time scheduling everyone. So our next episode of Trek One Seven Hundred One, at the end of the month, the the topic is going to be Star Trek retcons gone wrong. So things that were uh, changed in Star Trek that uh, we just did not like, uh, and there's a lot of them. And I'm not even t talking about new Star Trek. I'm talking about, you know, Star Trek from, you know, the Roddenberry Berman era. Like, there's a lot of things that got changed on the fly. So that's going to be our topic. Um, all right. Well, thank you again, Kevin, uh, for joining us tonight. And thank you to Lillian for, for being with us earlier. Uh, a pleasure as always. And I want to thank you dear listener, for taking the time to listen to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. This was our top five rich people in pop culture, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it's the big show.